You can't see what's not seen until you let go of what is seen. I'm talking about your money. You may hear me with my mouth full right now. Are you really going to eat while we're doing this? Are you really going to do that? No, no, no. It's okay. It's Just finish right. your fucking ice cream. <laughs> no, I don't want to like... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, man. So let's get into this freaking ice cream story. <laughs> I left the house at 4 o'clock. And I was like, I want coffee. And I was like, man, I'm on ice cream too. So I went to the coffee shop about Asta, not the same one that uh, my guy works at, <laughs> but another one. And uh, have I told that story on the podcast? No, because that just happened this week. Fuck, man. You guys have missed out on so much. Okay. You got to pick one, though. You, you can stretch these out. Which one's better? That one. That one's definitely better. Okay. <laughs> To the audience, I only know one of these stories. I don't know where, I don't know the ice cream story. That's that's happening live that one, as that, we record. That one was just like employee incompetence. So that's odd. They they ran out of lids for the ice cream and didn't tell me until after I ordered. So I had to drive thirty minutes back to my house with melting ice cream that had no lid, sitting in a cup holder, and just there's ice cream and coffee all over my car. <laughs> and I was like, I can worry about that when I get done. Then did recording. you get it? Did you get it for Vic and Harlan too? Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. And I only have like two cup holders, so yeah, two coffees, three ice creams, and some chicken nuggies. Uh, set the stage for this. <laughs> Paint the picture, Dalton. <laughs> Start scene. Dalton is late for work. <laughs> and just full full disclosure, Dalton. I don't think we've ever recorded this podcast, and Dalton's been quite on time. <laughs> <laughs> so when he goes i'm late for work i don't know if he's late for work every day but i know every time we gotta go sit down and record he's like late <laughs> this is the text message i get 10 minutes before we're actually supposed to start recording so he's well, in the back of my mind i'm like oh i can make it but at, we're supposed to record at 5 30 and it's 5 25 and i'm just leaving the sonic drive through and i'm just like oh well i'm not gonna make this one <laughs> <laughs> so uh Paint the scene. Dalton's late for work. And Dalton texts his boss, "Hey, I'm running late." Actually, no. I texted Austin first, and Austin texted me and said, "I think you texted the wrong person." Then I texted my boss and told him that I was running late for work. Also, full disclosure: this happens a lot. And at first, in our early in our friendship, I was like, "I'm a little confused why he's starting to send me these weirdo texts." And then I was like, "Oh, he just mistexted everybody. He mistexts me all the time." So now I know. I'm like, I have a bad habit of going to the last person I texted. Whenever I'm trying to text somebody, I'll just go to the last person I texted and send them something <laughs> and i'm just like oh crap that's not right <laughs> i have a story i'm gonna follow up with you on a story that's very related to that and that'll be my my story for the day so i'm late for work i text my boss hey i'm running late for work and i pull into the coffee shop <laughs> instead of going to work and uh, there's a guy in there named should I dox him? Oh my, no, that's a don't unique dox name. Him. Yeah, don't <laughs> dox him. You could hey. you could bleep that whole name out. <laughs> Future Dalton bleep that out. But 
<laughs> but he's like, hey, yo, what can I get you? And I go through with my order and I go to pay for it. And he goes, no, this is on the house. And I'm like visibly surprised, right? I'm visibly shocked. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And he goes, you know, I'm surprised you don't get stuff for free more often. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so confident in that moment. Like, I felt, I felt so pretty. <laughs> you <laughs> are think, pretty, Dalton. I was like, thank you so much. And I texted my wife and I was like, hey, I think is flirting with me at uh, the coffee shop. And she goes, why that? Why is that? I was like, he just paid for my for my drink. And she's like, this is bullshit. I've never got anything free <laughs> at that coffee shop. I go there way more than you do. <laughs> I like that that was her reaction. She's not even like, oh, that's fun. Or, hey, look, my husband just get, might have gotten hit on. She's like, wait, I don't ever get free coffee. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, it's, um, it, it's fine. It's whatever. But so- that is the minor story of the week. The major story of the week is Dalton's creaky chair. See ya, Paul. <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to bring that up. <laughs> Folks, Look him up. you can't see it, but he's actually what holding a sparkler inside of his house. It is lit. <laughs> I'm going to totally, since this records the video too, I'm taking that. That's going on Twitter. <laughs> Oh man, this is a not a good idea. When does this one go out? It's not gonna go out. You gotta put it under water or wait till it burns out. You can't do that. Don't do that, Dalton. <laughs> Where'd you? Did you just have a sparkler laying around? <laughs> I saw it earlier today. I was like, this would be a really good bit for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> for our audio podcast. <laughs> Let's light a firework indoors. Like, so I, I had a similar uh, situation to when you mistext me, um, but it did not end in a haha funny. Well, it did, but in the weirdest way. So I, this is years and years and years ago, early iPhone, and I'm texting. I'm having two conversations at once, which you know, I get easily confused because, like, one of my coworkers always calls me Grandpaston because she can't. She's like, you don't know how to use Instagram, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. And she's like, you do this and you do this, and she's like, come on, Grandpaston. But anyway, this is before all that was even a thing. And I'm texting with my mom, and I'm texting with my 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 very good friend Jason. And Jason and I had a ton of inside humor, like inside jokes, and just things that we wouldn't. I can't believe I'm about to tell a story on the on the podcast, but like just things that only the two of us would understand. Hence the inside joke. And so I was seeing something with my mom, and Jason texts me, and he's like, and he just he wrote me, he's like, "Love you." And I was, and I wrote him back, and just like responded to the last message, and I went, "I love you for your big dick." And <laughs> And it was, that was not a, it was not in any way sexualized. It's a joke that was based on like a guy that he was seeing at the time, like he was seeing a while back, got really drunk and we were walking through Manhattan and the guy started screaming about Jason's size and it was really embarrassing, but also hysterical because <laughs> it wasn't about me, it was about him. And so it became this running joke and it was just like, it just went over and over and over again. So I texted him back and I knew I was like, he's going to immediately respond to that, right? Because this is enough. Right. Right. To trigger him. This is the this is the relationship. This is the joke. And I look and I look 
And I'm like, what is, why didn't he send anything back? So I go to my phone and I pull up the messages. I look at Jason's and I'm like, I didn't send that to Jason. And I was like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> and I go, I look at my mom and I've sent, I love you for your big dick to my mother. <laughs> Did she say anything back? Not a thing. I had to call her. I was like, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I am so I can't even begin because you can't explain that right no, like you can say no. it's a joke but she's just like he must be talking to somebody with a big dick my you know, like my, my gay ass son in New York City what is he doing <laughs> and oh, so she's like she, she goes your stepdad Brandon was like I'm sure that was meant for someone else I'm sure it's not what you think and I was like no it's not at all what you think like it was like the least <laughs> sexual thing that was, could have been said in the worst way possible um, so that was horrifying and then uh, to to just bring the joke home I would like at the times that I would come home and I'd see her I'd give her a big hug she'd be like oh I'm so happy to see you and I'd be like I know and I just love you for your big dick mom and she <laughs> that was not a joke that she liked. <laughs> so it only lasted oh, a, no. a few visits, and she's like, "You need to stop that right now." <laughs> so, oh, my little innocent boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'd say, yeah, I know that's it's like the last thing that you want to hear from your kid. I'm sure is <laughs> a missed yeah. text like that. <laughs> And it really, and that's the whole thing is like, if it wasn't a joke, it'd probably be even more embarrassing, but it's like trying to explain that to someone, you're never going to win that battle. No, you never win it. That's not what it looks like. Yeah. As soon as you say those words, it's done. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it was done. I was dead in the water. I was like, oh my God. Oh man. Couldn't couldn't think of anybody that would have been worse. Oh, that's too good. Jesus. (laughs) So there you go. There's a little, uh, in, that's an insight. Not a lot of people that I know know that. Now, now everybody that listens to this podcast. Now the world knows, knows it. All <laughs> so. oh, 17 of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sent um, my mom, I sent my mom a bad text once. I've sent her multiple ones, but the one that immediately comes to mind, I sent her a meme of, you know, the picture of Kermit the Frog leaning up next to the windows, like, got the rain on it. It's like a really sad, depressing picture. And the meme says, what your meat looks like on the inside. (laughs) What your meat looks like when you're wearing a condom. (laughs) (laughs) What did she say? She's like, Dalton. I was like, oh, my God, that was not meant for you. I mean, I that's totally on brand for you. I can I can see that happening by yeah, accident. Yeah, it's just and I say like outrageous things like this all the time. So it's, it's not a surprise. It's pretty much I'm a, it's pretty much my brand at this point. You know, <laughs> Dalton says wild stuff. Oh man, I got you know I it's it's been a I, for some reason this clown has been stuck in my head for the last couple of weeks. And I just, I, I don't know, maybe we can edit this part out if it doesn't, if it's not any good, but I have been, I am, have been for a long time, really fascinated by Mike Lindell, my pillow guy. <laughs> and he just uh, said, I he, love to hate Mike Lindell. I do, do. I do, <laughs> do. I really do. I kind of think we need a shirt of him at some point with Dude. just like a picture of Mike Lindell. I would totally wear that. I actually looked at MyPillow.com today to see if they made MyPillow t-shirts because I was like, I'd rock a MyPillow t-shirt. There's a guy that at first I didn't like him because he was wearing the shirt, but then I think he's wearing it ironically because I've seen him a few times at the gas station in the shirt. 
There's a guy, it's a hipster looking guy. So, I mean, I wouldn't think that he would watch this seriously, but every time I see him in the store, he's wearing an InfoWars shirt. <laughs> and I want to go up to him and ask him, like, if he's for real. But I don't, I'm afraid the answer will be yes. And then but I have you, to, like, then explain why I asked him. But you know enough. I mean, I think you could, I think you've listened to enough Alex Jones where you could probably keep up with him. Like, you like could fake keep it until I make it. Yeah, yeah. He would be like, he'd be your new buddy. And I don't know <laughs> oh, if you no, want that in your life, no, but no. you <laughs> would be able to talk to him enough. If you, all you had to do is like stay seepogenic and he'd be like, whoa, you really do listen. <laughs> <laughs> Starts, what do you think about Stacy P, man? <laughs> <laughs> Stevie P. Um, <sighs> yeah. So, I mean, I just, so how, how, many, how often do you buy a pillow? can't remember the last time I bought one. Exactly. And I think that's a really normal response, right? You right. don't buy pillows that. How has this man made that much money on pillows? I, I crack don't... cocaine. <laughs> that's, what he, that's what he spends that money that he, that he makes from those pillows on. He ain't selling that. He's keeping that. Um, but hey, it, it, pillow. I'm telling you, listen, I, substance abuse isn't something to joke about, but that um, guy is, if he, it, I cannot put my head around him being clean and sober anymore. There's just no, no freaking no way. way. <laughs> There's no way. I don't care what he says. There's no way. But I, I look and I, I, I find a couple of things about him. I think he's fascinating to watch. I think he's just, just listening to him. And I think that he really believes what he's saying, you know, which is why I don't know we'll ever do an episode on him because I think that he's. I don't. He was legit for a long time, and I don't think he's grifting. He's spending his money that he made from pillow sales. Right. Like he's not actually taking it from anybody. That makes him more dangerous, right? I know it's, but also more interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just, he just—he's a real believer, and I—I I am. I'm fascinated, but I'm just like, how much money has he possibly made on selling pillows? The other thing I think is really interesting is he's you know rah rah patriot USA guy, and it's true that his pillows are made in the U.S. Right. But none of the other overpriced crap on his site is made in the U.S. And it's very, I mean, like, mm. they don't even pretend it is. They, they've got $115 slippers, slippers for $115, which I think is absurd. That is ridiculous. That's Mackie's fod. I know. And it's like, <laughs> and, they, and they're made in Cambodia. This is right there. A lot of stuff just says huh. imported. Some of it is like made in Pakistan from U.S. cotton, which I'm like, okay. But what I mean, the fuck like, does that even mean? Right, that they ship the U.S. <laughs> cotton over to Pakistan and they make it there. But I'm just like, part of me is, well, I have a lot of thoughts, and I don't, they're not really organized, so this is a ramble. But if products are that expensive on his site, why isn't he making them in the U.S., right? The biggest complaint is that it's too expensive to manufacture things in the U.S. because of labor costs. Right. But at the same time, you're also gouging these prices like there and i know everybody and their mother has like a, a coupon code for my pillow everybody in right-wing media has a has their own custom you know coupon discount code so and he knocks stuff off and i think that's part of the business plan is that you know he knows that he's gonna knock off the price but at the same time it's just like i don't know I, he's, he's fascinating in a lot of different ways well when the coupon code is just cute it's not hard to figure out yeah well <laughs> i just I, I would love to know what it's like to work for him yeah like yeah. to work in the my pillow factory in minnesota you know just and, like the wild ramblings of a drug-fueled <laughs> maniac <laughs> you know and it's so it very in a similar but not at all similar way uh, do you know you're not gonna know who this is but i'm gonna ask you anyway uh you know who mickey drexler is no okay mickey drexler 
was um, the guy who was at the Gap, and when they went kind of like global, or they didn't ever go global, but they really blew up in the U.S. in the '90s, uh, early 2000s. Actually, just the '90s. He was there, and he was the CEO. He's kind of like a revolutionary CEO in fashion. And he went on to J. Crew to really kind of reinvent them. He's from New York. He's like if you hear him talk, he's mix. He's got a really heavy New York accent. But the way that he has his office is rigged up is he has speakers. He has an intercom system throughout hit the floors that he's, that his offices are on. And he's the only one that has the intercom mic. <laughs> so as oh, people are working, no. he'll jump on the mic. And if something like he thinks of something, he'll be like, Hey, send me everybody, uh, email me baby pictures of yourself as a, as a child. Or like, you know, tell me about one of your early childhood inspirations or t- tell me, you know, like it's just weird. Like whatever whim comes to his mind, right. he blasts all over this intercom throughout the entire office. And it just reminds me of, it's like, what kind of psycho boss is like, there's, right? there's a lot of them. <laughs> Dude, if Dylan, I know you're listening. If you ever, ever ask me to send you baby pictures of myself i'm going to be questioning a relationship very much <laughs> yeah i just i don't know it's the, the psycho boss syndrome like I, I, these are not people i'd ever want to work for but i'm always curious about like how people that work for them respond and i think that actually curtails a lot into what we're going to talk about because i think a lot of these grifters that have any sort of company underneath right. them you always just wonder like how are these people continuing to work for this person? You know, like how do these people work for Peter Popoff? He's clearly right. a psychopath. There's like, uh, there's a couple of big ones. I always wonder about Yeah. before we get into uh, the subject, there are a couple more housekeeping things. Number one, uh, I got a promotion at my job and it's good. It's a very good thing. Very excited about it. But that also means I'm going to be working every other weekend now. So more than likely after this episode, we're going to have to go to an every other week releasing format, which Austin has been begging me for (laughs) since the podcast started. So this is good news to him. Um, We will probably still release, you know, like little bonus ones every now and then, you know, give you guys a little treat or whatever. But I just wanted to uh, let you guys know not to expect things every week from now into the foreseeable future and housekeeping thing. Number two, I don't know. It's not really a housekeeping thing. I just want to say I'm going to Cleveland again this weekend. (laughs) Oh, rub it in. That's fun. Rub it in. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Austin, got anything you want to say to people in Ohio that might be looking forward to see? Most of them know that I'm not going to wrestle rager. Sad news, but you know what? I'll be out there again and I'll be there in spirit. I told I told Charlie I texted him. You don't know this. <laughs> I texted him. I said, "Hey man, I'm not going, but look out for Dalton." And he's like, "I don't, I don't know if I can promise anything." Something along those lines. He seemed a little <laughs> nervous when he texted me back. I'm like, "Oh, you're leaving me with him?" Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm staying with Alberti. So I mean, I don't know. I don't think it'll be okay. I think everything will be good. <laughs> yep so that's that's that is you going to cleveland yeah i'm nervous at the same time though very nervous you'll be fine yeah i'll be fine I'm, i'll make sure i uh am very coherent when i enter the venue this time and, <laughs> and not just a, a little anxious wreck of a person i don't know man you well alberti's got to help with the ring so i'm sure he won't be cranked up until after yeah 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 
everything be fine. Don't worry about it. It's just my birthday and I'll probably be celebrating the best I can. Don't worry. Everything will be okay. Also, Dalton does not believe in drinking water. Um, so that, that really helps. Set oh, I do not. Water is anybody that works with me that listens to this knows this already. Water is a myth. Water is not real. Water has no nutritional benefits whatsoever. If you look at the back of a bottle of water Talks and you read the nutritional Jesus facts, everything says zero. It's zeros down the board. No nutritional value. Gatorade has more nutritional value than water does. Coca-Cola has more nutrition value than water does. So does bleach, and you don't drink that. You don't know my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, that's that's it. I didn't mean to rub it in your face, Austin. I'm sorry. That, that was rude. That's okay. That's okay. That was rude. I'm, there's no way you can get there. You can't mm. just like hop on a bus. And you, you can't just like, I, I, rent you know a how car. far away that is. Brother, Jay Gold already told me it's like five hours. You can make that trip. No, it's not five hours. You're out of your mind. <laughs> How long of a trip is it? It's it's long from city from the city to Cleveland. I think it's over ten. You I almost mean? almost made a fourteen hour drive. If, I, if the plane tickets weren't as cheap as they were when I got them, I would have been driving. Yeah, but you like driving. You own yeah. a car. I don't. I, I don't own a car. <laughs> anyway. Let's talk about Balloon Boy. Fat Louie. Blimp Boy. So what What else do you remember? What do I have to catch you up on? Uh, airplane business was a fraud. The yep. balloon business was a fraud, but then he got the insurance money to make it legit. Yeah, it was it's it's been legit, but it's been questionable. You know, he's got like the questionable stockbroker that was doing the pump and dump scheme. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Just inflating the price. So it's not legitimate, but it's a whole lot closer than his main company, like the big holding company that everything else in. And that was right. and the airship company was uh publicly traded, which is fun. Um so I just put to to recap, Lou Pearlman, he moved his aviation empire down to Orlando. Because Florida, yeah, we'll Florida. Episode. Uh, he's got three main sources of income right now, right? He's got the airship company, the balloon company. He's got Transcon Airlines, which is the chartering service, and all the other companies that he kind of puts under that. And the latest brainchild, which is the employee investment savings account, which is how he's stealing a bunch of money from old people with the promise of only marginally better returns than they would do in another financial institution. So. Those are the big three. The first two, I will tell you right away, are going to be lesser parts of this this half of the story. The third is going to be kind of the big hero. Um, and when we left it last time, Lou decided that he wanted to start a boy band. Bye bye bye. <laughs> no, I'm not really a thing for you. That's another play in the game for two. Oh, lie, baby. Bye bye bye. Okay. There'll be moments for that. Trust me. It's it's coming. Don't worry. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> it better be. I, I'm really glad it's coming because uh, I want it that way. Okay. okay. I'm done. I'm done. No, no I'm you're done. not. I, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't believe you. I think that's <sighs> bullshit. I think you're going to use every excuse you can to sneak one of those in. If anybody's going to sneak one of those in, it's going to be May. See? This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Are right, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so to get things off the ground, he uh, hires a woman named Gloria Scioli. Scioli? Scioli? Scioli. That sounds good. 
she's the wife of one of Transcon's executives. So true to fashion, he's hiring friends or loved ones of friends or people that he knows. He's kind of keeping it a very small, tight circle so that no one really knows what the hell's going on because they're just grateful to have a job that pays them six figures. And, right. you know, Lou just treats them everybody well and buys them whatever they want. And so that's a big part of it. Um, she was involved with the local theater scene in Orlando. So she was uh, assigned to help find talent, right? Basically do a casting call for a boy band. Um, so she had a bunch of flyers, printed them out and got them hung up at local schools, theaters, and any place where teen boys would likely hang out. So did Michael Jackson. <sighs> yeah. I, you're there's, there's going to be a lot of that later on in this episode too. Oh, no. not to give too much away. Oh no. <laughs> it, it, yeah, we'll get to it. Um, they also took out an advertisement in the local newspaper in the town. This is what it read. It said, teen male vocalist, period. Producer seeks male singers that move well between 16 and 19 years of age, wanted for new kids type singing dancing group, send photo or bio of any kind. Oh, man. Sound like a Catholic priest over here. Yeah, right? I'm like, like <laughs> XOXO the Vatican. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> According to another article, this I didn't I found a reference to this, but he'd also put out another one that said um, the ad said new kids on the block look with boys to men sound, which is a little yikes. He's like, I want you to sound like this black group, but look like this white group because new kids on the block. And I mean, we talked about them a little bit, but it turned out that there was a lot of lip syncing going on with that band. And it ultimately, well, yeah, for sure. Any of the nineties, uh, early two thousands pop acts. there's going to be a lot of lip syncing. Well, and that's, I mean, that's part of what Lou was looking for. He's like, I actually want people that can sing, you know, he's like, I'm right. not going to, he's, there'd been enough of those. There'd be, you know, CNC music factory, Millie Vanilli, new kids on the block. There was enough of those bands that just absolutely imploded because of they couldn't sing, you know, right. it was all an image thing. So he really wanted to make sure that, you know, that there were people down there. Plus you also have, you know, in Orlando is a good spot cause you got Disney down there and there's a lot of theater, a lot of local theaters, people get jobs at Disney. So you can find talented people. Like people would move their kids to Orlando to get them jobs, like in the hopes that they'd end up in, in showbiz. Insane. You know. Yeah, it is. Oh, I mean, God, don't get me started on like stage moms and, and uh, fucking. I, I don't think I can say in a public medium that what I would like to happen to them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of there's a lot of people down there like that already. So it's a it's a good place to set up shop. Um, so auditions they ha were held in one of the hangars that Lou was renting for his balloons, so like out in this balloon hangar, as hot as it could be in Orlando. Sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> A ton of boys came through, and um, they finally ended up landing on the what would be the final group, which consisted of Nick, Howie, AJ, Brian, no and Kevin. No fucking way! Some goddamn Backstreet Boys! <laughs> <laughs> Let's yes. go! The Backstreet Boys were his original band. That Lou really did want it that way. <laughs> but tell me why. <laughs> good one uh, yeah every once in a while <laughs> um so yeah the backstreet boys that was his his creation that's insane um, yep and where yeah. are they now 
think they're still on tour some, somewhere. <laughs> Nick, Nick Carter's in a treatment program somewhere. <laughs> AJ, well, she's you know what? Honestly, out. honestly, after we finish this, you may ha- you may know why a little bit more why Nick Carter is oh, no. the way that he is. <laughs> That's terrible yes it is not this is let's not get ahead of ourselves that's, that's like we always do <laughs> um so he puts the group together and calls them backstreet boys first it was actually called the ba- backstreets boys and then they they changed it they 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 just became backstreet boys the backstreet boys and one thing was he realized very quickly was that he couldn't run this operation like his last one. So he couldn't have all of his cronies around. He actually had to bring in people with some experience because he didn't know anything about the music industry and neither did these these guys from Queens that he you know, that he took with him to Orlando. So he had to start hiring professionals. Um, he also immediately incorporated the, the band as a company. So he was like, oh, okay. Backstreet, so Boys. Backstreet Boys LLC. Yeah, I don't think it was an LLC. I'm not really sure what the legal entity was, but he, they put him in as a company. And in for a lot of the people that he brought in, he actually would end up selling them shares of the Backstreet Boys in lieu of payment because that's just what he fucking does. And that's what he does over and over again. Insane. But, <laughs> I mean, like, even without knowing the rest of the story, you know that that's going, that they actually are going to make some money because the Backstreet Boys made yeah. it big, right? So right. it's that's that's not the most insane part of the story. It, I mean, it is that you would take a chance on it, but like, this is something that actually paid out for for quite a few people that were involved. Lou just poured resources into this band. I mean, he paid for dance and vocal coaches. He hired tutors. He flew them from gig to gig on private jets. He, you know, would take them out to dinner at these places. He was he called everybody like his family, like this whole operation. He was yeah. like, this is my family. <laughs> this is when he started having people calling big Papa around. Look at when you call me big Papa. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, that's not creepy. This one is a little <laughs> bit more, um, but he spent just a, a ton of money. He's, he bought him, he bought his way into the music industry. I think is what I yeah. said last time. I mean, this is it. He's just taking all of this money that he's taking from these poor retirees in <laughs> Florida and creating the backstreet boys. The Backstreet Boys, ironically, yeah. was built on the back of eighty-year-olds. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and and he he'd spent about almost a year, maybe a year and a half, before the band even really launched. Wow. Like he was he was spending money and resources on getting them ready and teaching. Were they them getting dance. paid at this time? They were not getting paid at this time. Not yet. So you just spent a year and a half. Well, all right, just trust me. This but you're a kid. Happen. You're a kid. You don't. I mean, you like you're looking for stardom. They're, your right. parents are doing the same thing. They're like, hey, you do this, and then we hit it, and you sell a bunch of records, and then you'll start making money. Huh. So yeah, man, yeah, not making any money. And Lou the whole time is going, listen, I'm losing money on this venture, right? I'm not making any money either, but I'm spending this money. And the kids are like starstruck. They're like, we're we're in this big house. Lou's got this huge compound in Orlando that he's built that has like a recording studio and has you know like a CD manufacturer. Means this, everything can be done in this one compound uh, by the right. end of everything. So, and and they're being taken care of. Like, hey, this is cool. Why go to school? Why can't we go play it? You know, Big Papa's pool (laughs) watch movies on his in his private theater you know like spend all this time away from our parents and just hang out with these kids that we like and and you know this guy who's who's treating us to whatever we want it's gross 
Yep, it is gross. So they launched their first concert at SeaWorld, of all places. I don't know why it keeps coming back to SeaWorld. I think just because it's in Orlando. Um, and they started playing a bunch of little little bitty gigs at like malls. Remember when malls were a thing? Also uh, still a thing. <laughs> Around here they are. You just go to the mall, man. <laughs> I forgot. I didn't mean that. Y'all are a few years behind. Um, <laughs> I always joke about South Georgia being 10 years behind the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, I hate to break it to you, but they're they're going to start closing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they weren't really catching fire, right? They were playing all these little bitty venues and little for a bunch of screaming girls, which is something that would continue for a long time. So Lou and the people around him, Lou takes credit for this, but I think someone around him probably told him to do this, decided to finance a European and Asian tour for the Backstreet Boys because those countries are a lot more boy band friendly. And it, right. it makes a lot of sense because even to this day, you, you know, England is cranking out boy bands. They started with really? the Beatles and they <laughs> like the One Direction. And um, I didn't know One Direction was the UK. I think it is. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was. That's Harry Styles, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're Irish. Right. They're yeah. formed in London. Yep. So they that's they those are very boy band friendly countries. And so they go on this year long world tour and they go every place but the US in order to build up like a fan base and a bunch of hype. Right. And it works. I mean they are selling out places right and left all over Europe. And this and is before an album release, right? This is before an album release. Jesus. And they actually end up recording their first album while they're in Sweden. Um, because That's there's just nuts. so much, yeah, so much crazy energy going on and all this, all this momentum behind them. And then they come to the U.S. and they, they blow up here because they've already got this reputation worldwide. You know, they've always got this buzz so that you can e more easily sell them to record labels. You know, you can just play the footage of tens of thousands of screaming girls to a record executive and they're going to be like, cha-ching, you know, cash register sounds. <laughs> And, and it worked. It was really, really successful. And he, um, they ended up selling 11 million copies of their first album and 14 million copies of their second album. So not insignificant. You notice um, how the one move of boy bands is like, you know, you do the side step, then you do the reach, and you're like, side step. Tell me why. <laughs> and I and and Lou is responsible for a lot of that. Like this, really, this large. I mean, it, he brought people around him, but yeah, like he he taught him how to dance. He taught him all the routines, and he and the not he personally, but he you know brought people around and would really become after the Backstreet Boys became something of like a boy band. Um, the guru, you know, he, he, he would like figure out what would work and what didn't. And he experimented enough with the back streets with Backstreet boys that he was able to, to really keep doing that over and over again. And Did a lot of it come off the back of like previous, like, I don't want to say boy bands. It's more like there's a different word for it, but like boys to men, the temptations, stuff like that. I mean, there's a successful other singing men groups. There's a history of that. I mean, I think you look at like the Beatles, you know, you look at the Beatles came through and they were like a boy band when they got here. They're all the screaming. Well, I mean, I don't consider the Beatles to be a boy. Number one, I don't like the Beatles. Number two, they play instruments. They're not really a boy band. Yeah, but I mean, there wasn't a term for that any at the time. You know, like there wasn't it wasn't as manufactured as it is now. 
Okay, that makes sense. You know, now it's manufactured. The guys in the group don't even write their own songs. They're given songs and they go perform and they don't play any instruments and they're just, but they, you know, and, and the, the Backstreet Boys have always said that they're not a boy band, that they are a vocal group. Whatever. Like, Suck whatever. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, pick up a guitar. Show me how. <laughs> you know, and I, like, like, I was thinking the other day, I've thought about this a lot. You know, there's the whole Michael Jackson versus Prince thing and, I just I'm I've always been a bigger Prince fan. I yeah, can appreciate what Michael Jackson has done, but throw Michael Jackson a guitar and see if he can play it half as well as Prince can. Prince uh, played like something like twenty seven instruments. He was just crazy fucking talented. Well, my whole opinion of Michael Jackson was soured for uh the obvious, so I'm not gonna get into right now. No, and and, and, and I just meant from a purely the pure musical. talent perspective, I think vocally I like Michael Jackson more, but I appreciate Prince more, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. That makes sense. Michael sense. Jackson never made his name a symbol. <laughs> <laughs> to get out of a record contract. Incredible. <laughs> um, so, all told, I got a Prince record right there. You should do. <laughs> right there. Um, so, all told, uh, Lou estimates that he sunk something like $3 million dollars. In a, in about a year, year and a half into this band to That's put it together. a lot of money. It is. And he ends up walking away after the first record with around $10 million. So it paid off. So, yeah. I mean, $7 million on a $3 million investment is huge returns. More than doubled his investment. Oh, yeah. And Great. we don't do that in that short a time. Like, that definitely feels like a Ponzi, but it's not. He just legitimately threw a shitload of money, got him a record contract. They, market, they were marketed correctly, and they made a bunch of money. But he's also starting to have some trouble with the band. Band's unhappy. So the band's unhappy for a couple of reasons. One, um, they refuse to play a song that Perlman wrote, that Lou wrote, <laughs> which really hurt his feelings, you know, because <laughs> his cousin is Art Garfunkel, which means that he's immediately a very talented you know, oh, musician. <laughs> but you see this all the time with like people that have ridiculous amounts of money. They think that they can buy themselves you know, right. into certain industries or fields or suddenly they're good at something just because they've got money but the other piece that they got upset with was when they finally got paid oh oh no That's so <laughs> what they got paid according to everything i've read is they got paid uh three hundred thousand dollars each or to split five ways fuck man <laughs> come on this is after they've been touring. This is after the record came out. This is all kinds of crazy stuff. So they uh, were not happy, um, and they immediately uh, sued Lou to get their freedom. They were like, this is crazy. The terms of these contracts are just not in our favor. We're not getting paid what we should. We're doing all the work. He's taking all the money. Right. I mean. The story of musicians. The story of music yeah. producers. My God. Yeah. <laughs> music producers are kind of shitheads. Hence the ones we talked about for Woodstock as well. Those guys came from a production background. Um, so Lou's upset. They're suing him. They're trying to get free. They wouldn't record his song. He's mad. But he also has a point to prove. So he said, you know, secretly behind, every, behind the Backstreet Boys' back, he starts to form another boy band. And he, his, his thinking was, I'm going to form this band because I'm the magic. They're not the magic. Like when, whatever I touch becomes gold, you know, the Midas touch, whatever it is. And he's like, and I'm going to show, I'm going to prove to them that I don't need them. They need me. 
whatever so, names you say next will either prove or deny this point. <laughs> so uh, the next band that he started to put together uh, was a little band called NSYNC. Oh, the best one. <laughs> I mean, certainly from record sales, you're not wrong. They sold a shitload of records and they sold way more than the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, because they're better. Well, <laughs> so once again, he does his thing about he sends them to Europe, right? They get crazy, crazy hot. Then they come to the U.S. and they blow up immediately. And and at, at first they're like a rival band, right? The Backstreets right, right. and NSYNC, that's a big rivalry. Big beef in the streets. Street <laughs> but, but, but at first, neither band knows that Lou is behind both bands. <gasps> Whoa, no way. <laughs> yeah, so he's keeping it secret. I actually, I know for a fact that the Backstreets didn't know that Lou was behind NSYNC. I'm not sure. I think that some of the guys in NSYNC knew that Lou was involved with the Backstreet Boys, but it did, but he kept them separate. He kept them as far apart and as far away from each other as he could. Quick, rapid fire, don't think. Best member of NSYNC. Don't think, uh, just say it. It's. I mean, it's got to be Timberlake, right, Justin? Lance Bass, wrong, wrong answer. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> This is kind of whiny gay these days. I don't know. He's, he's... Lance is so fucking funny. Lance is yeah. so goddamn funny. <laughs> he, he's got a lot in here. I, I mean, I'm, I didn't go too, too far on the bands because I think you could probably watch a really good documentary about the right. bands themselves <laughs> and get a lot more information than you could me. Um, I just kind of kept it around Lou. Uh, but anyway, they blow up. They get big. Backstreets are suing. Turns out in this lawsuit, as they're as they're litigating all this, that the Backstreet Boys find out that NSYNC is with Lou, and that drives them, and that's they're like they feel betrayed. Obviously, they should. Right. Uh, and they also find out that there's actually a sixth member of the Backstreet Boys listed on all of the contracts. Whoa! What? Yep. There's a sixth Backstreet Boys, and his name is Lou Pearlman. Oh my god! <laughs> so. <laughs> On top of taking most of the money, all hey, it's Fat Lou. I'm a yeah, Backstreet Boy. It is, and it, and they and it really pissed him off. But he's also getting a sixth of the band's revenue on top of everything else that he's oh, getting man. as the producer. So you're splitting three hundred thousand dollars six ways. That's well, three, fifty thousand dollars a piece, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me the Backstreet Boys made fifty thousand dollars yeah. a piece? Oh my God! I know people that make more than that. <laughs> no. that's insane yep 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 so that that that's really really an ugly situation um they eventually do win their freedom um uh, but lou walks out of this uh with a piece of their future earnings so he's still getting money off of Backstreet boys he's just not directly involved i don't know what percentage it was but in theory lou could have made money off the backstreet boys for the rest of his life you know, that right. he had everything else not gone the way it went. Um, so they got their, yeah, they got their release and it kind of everything happened pretty much the same way with NSYNC as it did with the Backstreet Boys. Okay. They got unhappy. They weren't making money. They sixth sued. Member. They sued Lou. He was the sixth member again. No fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> When yep. we get done, I'm going to go and edit the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC Wikipedia page and add Lou Pearlman. <laughs> uh, and they're eventually granted their their release as well. Um, I, I will say this is what's kind of funny about Lou. And maybe it's not funny. Maybe it's pretty typical. It's a lot of these motherfuckers are so concerned about their own self-image. And they're so smug. Like when he got out of the trial 
or out of out of litigation. He was leaving the courthouse after the Backstreet Boys had finally been granted their release from him. He smiled and he 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 said in front of the, the newspapers, he's like, I got a great deal out of this. You know, he he's never never admit defeat. <laughs> never like admit defeat. Always wins. Wins, wins, wins. Nothing but wins. That's gonna drive you crazy if you're like the Backstreet Boys in sync. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it you know, as a result of the NSYNC release, their next album was called What? No strings attached. Exactly. And that oh, is a, my God. My childhood is, is making sense. It, it is a direct reference for not being under Lou's thumb anymore. Oh my God. So <laughs> bye 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 was about Lou Roman? I mean maybe, yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time I thought it was about a woman. Well, I mean, you write it vague enough where it could be about anything, but yeah, that was it. It was it, while they were recording that album. It was an inside joke that they didn't have no more strings attached. You know, like the Pinocchio song. Um, you know that you've seen Pinocchio. I mean, I've seen the music video for Ba Ba Ba. Right, right. There's a song in the Disney movie Pinocchio. You're in Orlando. Disney's everywhere. But anyway, yeah. And they, it got joked around with enough that they were like, "Hey, that's the perfect. That's the perfect title for our new album." Wasn't uh, Justin Timberlake an ex-Disney person, too? Yep, he was in the Mickey Mouse Club. Along yeah, with, with Britney Spears. Yep, Britney Spears was in that. And funny enough... Oh, we got, we got she, to cover Britney Spears' dad at some point, right? Well, she comes up in this story for just a hot second, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this... You've now had two b- boy bands that you would think they've left you. You know, they knew they got screwed. And that would be enough to tarnish your reputation, right? In the business... Nope, 98 degrees. Nope, uh, not 98 degrees, but there's some other ones. <laughs> okay, lay them on me. Yeah, so basically what happened was the opposite. Um, Lou, again, he's got this sprawling compound in Orlando, and there was everything you needed. You had a recording studio, you had offices, you had a CD manufacturer, and you had a ridiculous amount of young boys lined up outside of this compound <laughs> every day. Because they wanted to be famous and they wanted loop the Lou Pearlman, you know, Midas touch on their career. And so they, it was all it's just always just boys lined up outside of this place. That's not a good look. <laughs> even after, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, you knew why, but even after, you know, he's, he's gone through this litigation with two other bands, they're still like, well, those bands are famous. I want right. to be famous. Fame is truly intoxicating. We can worry about the contract details later. Right. And, you know, if we have to sue them and get out of it, there's been a record of people doing like a precedent of people doing that. Maybe we right. can do that and we'll go out on our own because, I mean, Instinct and Backstreet continue to be successes after they left Perlman's operation. Right. Um, and, yeah, so other boy bands. So um, Perlman at one point was given a television show that aired on both MTV and ABC it was called Making the Band. No way. That was Lou Pearlman? <laughs> that was Lou Pearlman. Oh, my God. This dude has been all around my childhood, and I never knew it. <laughs> I'm glad he wasn't actually in your childhood. I will say that. Um, <laughs> he, Yeah, the, and the pro- premise of that band was he was finding and putting together his latest boy band, which would be called O-Town. Oh, my God. They went nowhere. I know. Well, <laughs> they sold some records, though. And actually, O-Town, fun fact, was named after Orlando, which is where he was. so that was Lou's term for orlando um yeah so he he had that he also formed lfo light funky ones don't have no idea these you probably this band called take five a band called natural 
Um, The last band he had was called US5, and they were sort of like in the middle of their European tour before um, Lou ran into a lot of troubles. And he even helped out with the solo career of Aaron Carter. Oh, okay. Why would would Nick allow that? I I don't know, Um, but we'll get to that. This is like a domino effect to uh, drugged out Aaron Carter boxing Lamar Odom in a pay-per-view event. So there's another name that you might will know uh, uh, from TNA fame. He also helped out with uh, Brooke Hogan. Hmm, that is interesting. <laughs> wow, that's a brother. You just gotta make her a star. <laughs> and then just a bunch what of you racist, gonna do when then a bunch of racist thing comes you. out of his mouth. <laughs> Um, he also even uh, had one girl band. It was called Innocence, and it oh, briefly, briefly, briefly featured Britney Spears as the lead singer before they they pulled her out and she went solo. So. Huh? See, I, in my head, Britney came like around the same time that uh, NSYNC did. He was doing a lot of bands all at once, though. I mean, oh, he was okay. he, like there. I, the timeline on this got a little kind of nutty, so I just decided to loop them all together. But okay. yeah, he's he's constantly working, and and he's in this huge compound. You got to realize too, it's not just his boy bands that are recording there. He's got other musicians that are coming in to cut records. Like, I mean, he's he's a legit. Well, I mean, you can make a lot of money just renting the space. Yep, yep, and he's you know he he's got he's got the operation. It's there. It's probably it's it's got to be state of the art because that's all Lou did. Lou spent a shitload of money making sure you know that everything looked good. Um, when you walked into his to to the operation, like his offices in Orlando, he had not replica but real World War One planes <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. Like that's nuts. Like, it was nuts <laughs> oh my and like god! Fountains and marble everywhere. I mean, it was just like it's this guy walked around. He had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar Rolex that he wore. He had all kinds of jewelry. Like he's exactly what you think he was this big oh, man. you know this big fat you know movie no he was movie but uh music producer mu- music and you know personality because he didn't even really produce he just threw a bunch of money around i'm about to grab the fucking nine millimeter and a ski mask next time i see lou Broman. <laughs> <laughs> um so we've 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 kind of talked around it a little bit but there's a lot of weirdness and a lot of stories that kind of came out about Lou uh, and his relationship with the boys. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, you know, tale as old as Tom. Yeah. So (laughs) he, he always had, there was always a lot of aspiring young boy banders around him. You know, he had, he would always have keep one as an assistant. He usually had a driver. He had his, you know, his, his Rolls Royce, his powder blue Rolls Royce. And he'd always hire a young driver. And they were usually like these chiseled young men that wore tank tops and drove Lou around wherever he wanted to. So there's a real outward, you know, appearance of some gross shit going on. Right. Um, and there was a Vanity Fair article that came out a few years. Um, it's like early 2000s. I want to say it's like 2004 and was very explicit about some of the things that went on in his home. Now, so it's not just accusations. These are like, well, okay. So I, it, it, it was, it's a, not a nice fun read at all, but it's also not a single first person 
account. So everyone that was quoted in the article, and this article has actually gotten a lot of a, a lot of grief because it's like, hey, you're throwing out some pretty serious accusations and you don't have a single person willing to go on the record to right. talk about it. So it's all like secondhand or thirdhand or I heard this, you know, this is the reputation that he had. Um, but there's never been any sort of serious allegation. No one's ever come forward to sue him for that. Um, there was one incident with Nick Carter that Nick Carter refuses to talk about. So nobody knows exactly what it is. Nick Carter. There's, there's a like a little saying, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck and then nine times out of 10, it's a duck. <laughs> I mean, from all accounts, he was a weird guy and he definitely had some sort of affinity for these young boys. Like he, right. he, he, he loved having them around him. Now, if it was anything sexual or not, don't know but there was some, but there was some serious serious inappropriate stuff that was happening if um, i'm if i hire a 15 year old girl to drive me around wearing spaghetti straps and short shorts all the time I, you come on like you would you would know you would know what was going on well that, yeah, i mean it's easy to come to that conclusion the shoes are, when the shoes are on the other foot i mean it's the same thing right and i'm not I'm not defending him. I don't want to come right. across as that. But I'm saying as, in terms of telling this story, there was never a single account there's, that there's was no proof. There's, there's no proof. Hearsay. And there and there were a lot of a lot of young men that went in and out of that, you know, that 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 compound and there was just never any proof. It wasn't like Michael Jackson with multiple accusations. Right. It was just like that he he enjoyed the company of these young boys. But <laughs> there were stories about him providing them with alcohol. And they were right. way too young. There were stories about him playing like pornography in his in his theater, which you know these young boys were like, hey, "It's porn, whatever." Um, and so there was really some really inappropriate, creepy shit that went on. But to the extent, there's been not a single single uh, source. The Nick Carter thing, whatever happened, he's been completely mum on it. Won't talk about it. And his mom also knows about it. Won't talk about it. But she hightailed it out of there, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me why Aaron would have later gotten involved with him, which is I've never <laughs> really been mom able of to the kind year, of, right? Yeah. I, I've never been able to kind of square that circle where it's just like, okay, so something weird happened with Nick. He felt uncomfortable and fled the house and got out of there and told his mom and didn't want anything to do with Lou. But then Aaron is now working with him, you know, to the point that even years later after Aaron had a record deal, like he was attended and sang at one of Lou Pearlman's birthday parties because he liked Lou enough. Um, well, these stage moms, like, they don't see nothing but dollar sounds on their kids. But, but what's interesting too, is that like Lance Bass is actually one of his biggest defenders. You know, he's always said that, that Lou, he, considered him a very good friend and nothing ever happened and he found it really hard to believe just being around lou that anything would happen anything bad like this would happen i want However, to retract my statement on uh lance bass being the best in sync member <laughs> but he, might, he, he could be obvious i mean he could be honest um yeah. one of the assistants that was quoted in the vanity fair piece was said he said something along the lines of out of every band lou picks one boy that he likes the most and that's the one that he kind of showers all his affection on um they also mentioned that like lou was like a cuddler and would like to like you know hang out and cuddle on the couch and it's just gross stuff really gross stuff Thanks. uh it will i will say that um he was he did have a female companion for 10 years around 10 years um she was named uh tammy hilton and she was actually a nurse that he had um he was having he had a what was it he was had a ruptured cyst on his liver and she was Oof. the one that came to his house and took care of him until he was recovered they formed this really strong bond and he 
just wanted to have her around, you know, and she became sort of involved in the business stuff. She was involved with the bands. He called her his girlfriend. From what she says, there was, it was never a physical relationship. They right. were just, they were just friends. Like, and she, you know, I think it kind of bothered her a little bit that he would call her his girlfriend because she was like, this is strictly platonic, you know, lose a nice guy. So she was around for a really long time and she was always with him. And I think that he knew that that made his image a little bit better. You know, right. he also, you know, there's, there was a lot of rumors about, you know, obviously about all the boys stuff. So having her there would, How could there not would be? help. Right. And, and having her there, I think served as a shield. Um, but she also never attested to anything weird happening. You know, she never said anything. And, and honestly, she was with, she was by his side almost until the very end. Everybody else towards the end had, had sort of left him and fled and she still stuck around. So she was a, she was a true friend for a very long time and was a big part of his life. Um, yeah. So a lot of speculation, but that's, that's there. That's the kind of, that's the elephant in the room, I think on this guy. Um, so we're gonna get back to some of his businesses, businesses, uh, by 1994, middle of launching the Backstreet Boys, the airship company was near financial ruin. Um, despite, remember this guy, Julian Bencher, the other balloon guy who was yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to make him legit. He tried his best efforts to keep it afloat, but honestly, Lou had lost interest in the airship company, and there's only so much you can do. Well, you're making all this owner. money with these boy bands, and right. what, 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 who cares about the fucking blimps anymore? You know what I mean? Yep, yep. And as a result of this, a lot of <laughs> the balloons were destroyed. Um, one of them was ripped apart by high winds in North uh, Carolina after going on tour with Pink Floyd. Um, they're on their Division Bell tour. They had a giant blimp with the the Pink Floyd logo on it. A weird, there's a weird Venn diagram there with Backstreet Boys and Pink Floyd. <laughs> I actually never even thought about it until you said something <laughs> just then. Um, another one crashed in Long Island, in a, in a Long Island neighborhood on its way to the U.S. Open, and there were actually all of them pretty much let you know just the maintenance. He didn't take care of the balloons; right. they would eventually fall apart. Um, and it ended up he destroyed. It's like that scene from Toy Story where he's like, I don't want to play with you anymore. And he just right. drops the Woody doll. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, except he did that with five in five hot air balloons or five blimps total. <laughs> so all five of those were gone and the company just eventually um, just folded. Um, Julian, before that happened, Julian's still kind of around. Julian now gets kind of he he sort of jumped out of that company and into Lou's main company, Transcon Airlines, Transcon Entertainment. There's a bunch of different names um, for various companies. So now he's kind of involved with the boy bands. Everybody's involved with the boy bands. Like they're all just like star crazy because you're meeting these guys and they're you know they're famous and you're dining with all these producers and right and they're networking with other celebrities. Yeah, and like and again, Lou is just spending a fucking fortune on people around him. You know, like he takes them all on his private the one plane he does own which is a private gulf stream he takes them all to the bahamas like his whole staff goes with him to the bahamas to, to take a vacation like he, all expenses paid all expenses paid everything's on big papa nothing gets paid and, you know nobody picks up the check i mean lou is just burning through cash it's hard it's hard to think about how much cash he burns by the end but it's just it's almost impressive how much money this man can spend right um so lou this point he's running he's got some boy bands he's got the recording studio he's got a bunch of other companies we'll hit on all those later um but he's he's just got a lot going on but he it's an opportunity comes up and he decides you know what i need a better way to find talent and so 
you know, he's always looking for new places, new revenue streams that are coming in. So he's just constantly snatching up and starting up companies with various successes. And so he goes in and he decides to purchase a company called Options Modeling. Um, Options Modeling was a scam. It was a scam before Lou got involved. It continued to be a scam after Lou was involved. It's almost like the 2005 Diva search. <laughs> <laughs> About 15 people will get that. <laughs> yeah, no, right? <laughs> um, it was under investigation by Florida's attorney general when Lou bought it because there had been so many complaints. Um, it was also under investigation by the Orlando Better Business Bureau. And it reached out, but the Better Business Bureau reached out to Offshore Modeling. Scam. Yeah, well, probably, <laughs> yes. And <laughs> and reached out and said they really had to clean their act up. And it takes a lot for the, the Better Business Bureau to actually do anything. They're right. really they're a really lame duck organization or part of the government. Um, options Modeling was exactly what it sounded like, a modeling agency. So just use your imagination. How... Do you think this modeling agency was a scam? I'm going to put it to you first, and then I can tell you what it is. Um, you pay money to get uh, your image out there, and they never do any anything with it. You right? are That's pretty much it. Very, very close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the scam worked like this: options uh, deployed young, beautiful-looking people who would go out and stop people in the street and ask them things like, "Hey, have you ever thought about modeling?" Right? And oh man, you're some Joe Schmo. You're like. No, but that's really flattering, right? Like you're like, oh, this is this is like getting a free coffee, and <laughs> you're just like, that made me feel good, right? So then they'd hand them all this literature, and um, they would start talking to them, and they would say, you know, for the low cost of anywhere between a thousand and two thousand dollars, we will get you set up with a professional makeup artist, a professional photographer, and you'll get a modeling photo shoot, right? Right. And then they were going to share this on their on their site with all these modeling agencies, and and that would hopefully get them a gig. Well, they the victims did get a professional shoot. Like they actually hired professional photographers, they hired professional makeup people, and they had shoots. But that was about where it ended. These guys weren't getting calls. These were not people that were ever going to be successful in the modeling business. And they take the money just, and run. They take the money and run. Um, this was, and this all was happening before Lou bought into the company, but he saw an opportunity and get some quick cash. You know, he's got a legitimate business. Maybe that'll lend some credibility to options right. modeling where he can come in and go, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to clean this company up, but that didn't happen. Um, what happened instead was that to keep the scam going for as long as he could, Lou started changing the name of the company over and over again. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> he went through about a dozen name changes um, to shake away like any sort of the illegitimacy of the operation because he's like, "Oh, options modeling is bad. We're going to call it something else." Um, <laughs> they even ended up the most kind of ridiculous name they came up with was they started calling it the Wilhelmina Scouting Network. Now, what? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, so Wilhelmina is to this day one of the legendary modeling. Um, 
agencies. It's based in New York, but they're worldwide. They're like really one of the best of the best of the best with it, just this incredible reputation. So um, they just stole their name and <laughs> pretended that they were associated <laughs> with them. Well, blatant. That's blatant yeah. as you can get. I don't, I don't know if they got threatened. They, they changed it again after that. Um, and I'm wondering if Wilhelmina actually went after him <laughs> with legal action going, no, no, no. This mom and pop shop down in Orlando is stealing our name. <laughs> so money coming in from the investors. Um, there's still a shitload of money coming from these EISAs, the ISAs, that, that are just, that's what we haven't talked about a ton, but he's getting all this money from older people and people investing right. their life savings. Um, you know, he's he opens up at a it ends up opening up about 84 different businesses of Jesus kinds. Christ. And I think that the whole goal is, is he, he's trying to find something as, as the pressure amps, like it starts to just get more and more and more, uh, you know, heat on him. He's trying to find something that'll actually make him some money so he can start to pay back his investors because they're, they're getting closer and closer and they're starting to pound the door going, Hey, where's my fucking money? Right. And he's like, well, you know what? Here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, he had companies, he had uh, transcontinental entertainment. He had a transcontinental travel, transcontinental productions, transcontinental merchandising. These are all arms of the boy band business. Um, he opened a bunch of restaurants. He opened up a gym. He opened up um, a few different jewelry stores. You know, he's got his, um, I think he calls, yeah, he calls it Rocks Jewelry Store. And then he's got the Rocks Timepieces and Rocks Management. So he's got, he just like whatever he wants to do. He's Can got, you smell? <laughs> he's got what Fat Lou is cooking. <laughs> he, he opened a steakhouse, which apparently was just crazy expensive and not that good. He had a chain of uh, TCBY uh, yogurt shops. You remember oh, those? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Um, he had another franchise called New York's Pizza Delivery, which they thought they were so funny. In short, it was NYPD. <laughs> oh so, man it was a pizza store down in florida but i mean he obviously you know what? <laughs> new york pizza delivery lobs matter okay <laughs> <laughs> pizza lives matter give <laughs> <laughs> the flag with the pizza as the like the stripe like the cheese and the pepperoni <laughs> um at one point <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> Um, at one point he was even given this like insane deal on the, uh, church street railroad station in Orlando. He, he bought it. Um, but was given all these crazy tax benefits because everybody in Orlando was like, what an upstanding citizen. He's brought so many new jobs to our city. And uh, his, his goal was to re redevelop this historic, um, station and turn it into like this entertainment hub and it's crazy have, how nobody looks into anything right nobody looks into anything it's crazy <laughs> um he was actually even given the key to the city of orlando fuck <laughs> man jesus christ <laughs> yeah so he's he's, he's meanwhile Nick carter's just like what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah he's like really what the fuck aaron what are you doing over there get away from this guy <laughs> It's like I told mom, I know you know, I know why I'm your favorite because look at this little idiot keeps going over to play in Lou's backyard. 
that's actually like a whole show is like Aaron and Nick just like fighting, you know, like complaining to their mom about each other. Lucius <laughs> on the background, like <laughs> all dressed in powder blue with a $250,000 Rolex going. Yes. Yes. You're suffering. <laughs> Let your hate fuel you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like with all these schemes, something bad happens and it really just knocks the legs out from underneath this whole operation. Lou had a uh, childhood friend named Frankie Velasquez. He was the kid of the superintendent at the building that Lou grew up in, right? He never got right. very far. He, all, of his, all, all of these friends were from his neighborhood. They were like his childhood friends. And Frankie was, had been working for Lou practically his entire life. Like he moved from Queens down to Orlando with him. He was very tight. Frankie seems to be the guy uh, that was close to Lou that figured out what was going on first. And I, as a result... I mean, he really just decided, I mean, he came to this realization. I can't say for sure. This is all speculative, but he was like, everything I've done my entire life has been stealing from other people. And it hit him really hard. Uh, he ended up going home and starting up his Porsche in his garage with the door down uh, and asphyxiated oh, no. and, and killed himself. And he had everything arranged in his bedroom in neat stacks. It was a bunch of financial documents. It was all about like Lou's operation and kind of his part and just couldn't, I mean. Just couldn't it, live with the guilt. Yeah. I mean, there may have been other things to play at, at play. I think, you know, there's, there's maybe some mental health issues, but obviously nobody's getting into that. Right. But ultimately, this is the thing that really um, freaks everybody out. It freaks Lou out. It freaks out all the people that are working for him. I mean, this is a guy that had been with Lou for 20 years. And to go home and kill himself, uh, you know, after getting way, way, way too involved. And what he found is essentially, and I, I think I've mentioned this before, Lou was running a Ponzi scam. That's it. Yeah. That's all it was. It was a plain old Ponzi scam. And it, it, it to, up until this date, it had been the longest running Ponzi scam in the history of the United States. Jesus. Over 20 years. Um, you know, he was taking money. He just had to keep feeding that thing. And that's why you see it. You know, he's feeding it because he's got to feed his lifestyle. He's feeding it because he's got to, you know, pay some of his investors back, you know, with these new investor money. But it just, you know, with Ponzi scams, they they fall quickly and then take forever to figure out where everything is and where all the money is. And right. That's what happens here. This is exactly what happens. Um, so he knew Lou knew he was in trouble and Frankie's death really just kind of was like, Oh, we gotta, we gotta do something. So he reaches out to another uh, guy that he's done a lot of work with. This guy's name is Frank Amodi. And this guy is also a crook. He's a disbarred attorney, but he's got a ton of connections <laughs> in the government, of course. Right. So he's like, he's like, that's the most Lou thing ever, right? I'm in trouble. Let me get a disreputable person to come help me out because I'll figure out what to do. <laughs> so this guy, uh, Frank, brings in a CPA named Paul Glover to take a look, right? And at this point, all of Lou's executives are more than happy to turn over everything because they are involved and they are going to get in exactly. trouble. And if this thing goes down, they could all go to jail. And so if you don't like, cooperate, then you're right. getting, yeah. And I don't know how much of this Lou was actually aware of because Lou brought him in and he told his team, he's like, hey, I'm bringing this guy in. He's going to kind of take a look at everything and make sure, you know, cooperate. And they were like, oh, my God, thank God. Let's, <laughs> let's let Paul do his work. He's going to come in. He's going to look at the books. Paul gets to look at those books and is like, 
oh my fucking God, this is so much bigger than anything I ever expected, than my boss expected, the guy who hired me expected. He's like, I got to get out of here. And literally packs up as much as he can fit in wow. a letterbox and gets the fuck out of there with this evidence. He said, <laughs> fuck this. Yeah, he's like, Oof. I mean, like, how could you, you also, like, I mean, if you're a normal human and you see that he's been stealing from all of these people, their life savings for such a long time, um, he discovers that the auditor, uh, Siegel and Cohen, was actually the the shell operation run by Lou. You know, like he's he's like all of this stuff is bullshit. All these documents are forged, or you know, these companies are made up. There's nothing here. There's absolutely nothing here. All signs point back to Lou. Yep. So that is trouble for Lou, and it only goes big from there. Um, he was getting a ton of pressure from investors. Obviously, they wanted their money, and they were they were one of the books that I had, I read about him. They said that it, you know towards the end of his is run rather than a bunch of young boys being at the gates of the compound. It turned into a bunch of old people <laughs> demanding their money at the gates of the compound. Which I think is a great oh, visual. Um, yeah, so it was a bunch of retirees going, we want our money. Um, the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office get involved at about this time, and they, they start their investigation um, into, into what's going on. Um, Julia Bencher, he actually also had caught wind of a lot of dirty stuff going on quickly and did everything he could to get out of there with his hands clean. And he did, you can actually find, you can actually find him on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's on LinkedIn. He's got another, uh, balloon company today. Um, but he, he was like, woof, but he finally got into the larger company outside of airship industries. When he got into the larger, lose bigger company, he was like, there's nothing here. I need to get out as quick as I can. And so he started telling Lou, he's like, you got to pay me out. I'll leave. I won't say anything, but I got to get out of here now because I just know this is going to end well. And so he, he fucked off and got out. You, you got to give Lou the advice, like, "Hey, you need to like, you need to leave the country. Like, you got to go, yeah. right?" I mean, that's that's the common sense thing to do, right? Yeah, but Lou had an image, you know, like he wasn't gonna. I wasn't fuck he, the image. Keep your freedom, bro. In addition to stealing from all these individual investors, Lou, without anybody else's knowledge, was also taking money from banks. What? Taking out massive, massive loans. From Why? Banks, because you got to keep that money flowing. Uh, dude, he has all the money in the world that he could want. Never enough. With a Ponzi, you got to keep paying out. You know, you got to pay it out. You've got this crazy lifestyle. Where yeah. He's spoiling everybody around him. He's got a huge payroll. I mean, he's pay- paying a bunch of people six figure salaries. He's got tutors and dance instructors and makeup people and record producers. I mean, he's got this like empire of people. This is where the money's going. Um, and you know. We he he he's borrowing huge sums of money with fraudulent documents, which, as we both know, is a really big no no. You know, you right. still you still you <laughs> very steal. illegal. <laughs> well, not even illegal, but it comes back to hey, if you steal from these individual these little people, nobody really gives a shit. But you start right. stealing with people from with have that have money, you steal from a bank, they're gonna be all over you, and it's fucked up. And it's but it's the truth, and it's the truth that we found over and over and over again doing this doing this podcast so really quickly just kind of run down some of the sums of money uh july 2000 he he took out a loan for 2.8 million from integra bank in 2001 six million dollars in 2002 five million 2003 a total of 11 million oh i'm sorry a total of 21 million from three different banks uh 2004 34 million uh 2005 uh three million so 
that's nutty. You can just walk in a bank and ask for $31 million. Here's the worst part. This is what's even crazier about this whole thing. He, the banks are to blame. It's not even on Lou. The right. banks are the blame. Had they done just a little bit of due diligence, like called any of the other banks, they would have realized what he was up to. They would have discovered that the auditing firm, Cohen and Siegel, once again, was just a fucking call service and not a legitimate auditor, right? right? So all of these documents that he's producing have been audited by Cohen and Siegel, and they don't mean anything because they're not right. real, right? It's all fraud. <laughs> He also, they also would have realized that Lou had promised the exact same assets to secure the loans to every single bank, which you can't do. You can't mm. say, I'm going to put my truck up you know, <laughs> for this loan, and then you go get another loan, you put the same truck up for the, for the right. loan. Right. Well, you know, they're split in half. Yeah, exactly. You get half a truck, <laughs> I get a whole loan. Um, this includes uh, his his one plane that he actually owned, his home, his Rolls Royce, his recording compound, and many, many shares of worthless stock in Transcom. And so he would take the same these same assets and go shopping bank to bank to bank, and none of them called each other. Oh, man. So it's I kind of feel like... A fucking just a little bit of research and looking into this could have saved you a whole lot of headache. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's 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 true. It's it's oh, it's crazy. Um, so the, the investigations heat up. Um, the FBI raids his compound, but Lou is gone. He's taken off. He did get yeah. out of the country at this point. <laughs> Smart move <laughs> on the run. Um, he is eventually spotted in um, Bali by a German tourist who sees this large, um, large I'm white dude. The Lou Pearlman. <laughs> so he knew he knew who he was. He was like, I know who that guy is because you know the boy bands were big in Germany. It was kind of a big story at the time. Right. Um, he makes he gets in touch with the FBI. They're all over him. They get Lou back to Guam, which is a U.S. territory. Well, why would you go to a country that had extradition? Why wouldn't you go to the Netherlands? Let's go to Amsterdam. Yeah, he went. He was like, he actually was hopping all over the place. He was moving pretty quick, and I and I think in hopes that like if you jump from country to country, he'd be harder to catch. Um, I think he was in Singapore for a little while. He was in the Netherlands at first because he had he had stashed a little bit of money away, but he, right. he got caught. He didn't put up much of a fight either. To be like, he wasn't wasn't really like, even though he was on the run. It kind of. The, it was kind of a half-hearted being right. on the run. Like, like you know was, you're going to get caught eventually. Like, yeah, I was like, man, this is exhausting. You know, I can't even fly in my private jet anymore. Um, <laughs> the feds got guy. that. <laughs> so he goes to jail. And while he's waiting for trial, um, Tammy Hilton, which is who I talked about, is his, his, his quote, girlfriend, really just his friend, um, starts visiting him. And Lou starts getting really paranoid and weird um, and starts talking about all these conspiracy theories that are against him and starts telling her that um, he, he said one thing, he said, quote, when they reveal the real people behind this are, it's going to set this town on fire. So he started talk, telling her that like, what the fuck are you talking the about? Mayor or Orlando was involved. And like, there's all these government entities that were involved and Lou was just like the front man <laughs> for this big criminal organization. It's the goddamn deep state. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> it's a real, it's a real turn for Lou that I didn't see coming. Um, Other than the guy that founded backstreet boys and then seeing get into like, 
pseudo QAnon. Yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> that's a hundred percent what it was too. I mean, like he was he was out there and he was like, "This is this is this goes this goes so deep." When when we finally feel what's when you finally see what's going to happen, and he's like, at the same time, I'm st- I'm actually talking to the FBI to give them all this information, and they're going to get me out of here. Um, he at one not, point not the said, deep state FBI, but but the good guy FBI, the good guy FBI, yeah, the White Hat FBI. Um, <laughs> he said um, only four people know about this, and three of them are dead. And <laughs> so, so he leaves the story. He talks about spy movies, bud. Well, yeah, so like he said that one of the guys that knew about it was a guy named uh, Frankie, the guy named Frankie Velasquez who had killed himself. Right, right. very convenient. Um, he had another guy. Uh, what a was, heartless son of a bitch! Right. And the blame the the say that about your dead friend that killed himself because of the shit that you did. Oh, you have no idea. Some of the forged documents that he was using were using a forged signature of his former attorney who had died. Like he's forging Jesus. a dead man's name on some of the. He's he's completely. There's no morals here. There's nothing whatsoever. Um, so he had a he had a really big investor who I think put in something like fourteen million dollars of his own money to Lou over the years, named Doctor Joseph Chow. And he uh, he succumbed to cancer, died from cancer. Um, his family w- like immediately was like, "We don't trust Lou. We're going after him." So he's getting <laughs> yeah. he's also getting sued by these individual families. But he said that uh, Doctor Cho was one or Chow was one of the people. Um, he also talked about this guy Eric Emanuel, who was a really early investor. This is a Wall Street guy that he had come into contact with, believed in Lou, and Eric died in a car wreck. So he's got a he does have his three people that are dead that know about the, what's yeah, actually going how on. How convenient, but it's not true. None of it's true. Um, there, yeah, it it just it was a mess. But he really had Tammy. He was brainwashing her, which I thought was really an unfortunate ending or waiting thing. Yeah, he really was. And he was just like he's like, you just wait, just wait and see. When all this stuff comes out, very much like the Mike Lindell. Like when you hear all this, they're gonna you know, <laughs> nine to zero, the Supreme Court's gonna put Trump back in office. <laughs> you see, I wasn't really starting boy bands. I was saving the children. <laughs> God <laughs> I mean, had this happened 10 years, I mean, like 15 years later, you might, you might not be wrong. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So he, um, he on trial, the judge gets um, tons of mail. So there's a total of about a thousand plaintiffs in his case. And they estimated that he had stolen about three hundred million dollars from the, the ISA scam. Now, yeah, damn, that's a that, lot of money. That's not all the money he stole. That's just what was on trial. Like he was on trial for with the retirement plans, the savings plans. They, so that's just not all the money. It's just the ones they know about. It's the stuff that they could prove. The okay. estimates go from anywhere from five hundred million to a billion dollars. God, able to damn, that's a lot of money, dude. Fuck. Yep. Now tell me and he why he wasn't happy, and he wasn't happy. No, no. Well, I don't know. He might have been happy. I think his whole like and lifestyle. He wasn't happy enough to quit. No, he, he wasn't, wasn't happy ha- enough to call it a day. And just no, his, his his expenses, his lifestyle was too expensive. He couldn't have been poor. Bro, listen, if I ever get the fucking twenty mil, I'm calling that a day and riding off in the sunset. God. Okay. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um. So the judge in the trial received hundreds of letters from his victims. And he had, it had him bound in this big book. And he said he wrote, he read every single one of them. 
Um, and I just want to read a couple of these to kind of put into perspective, like the people that he's ripping off while he's flying Justin Timberlake around. Uh, for, well, Justin Timberlake has nothing to do with this. I didn't mean to disparage his name like that, but you know, you know what, Lou Perlman, cry me a river. <laughs> so this is from. You can say that all this is justified. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. You said that at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is a letter from boyd h wheeler who was an 81 year old world war one veteran right he said quote my so- the nazis okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm done i'm done sorry keep going with your sad story he said uh this is gonna make you feel sad you're you're emo enough or this will be like that, that, that emoji with the big eyes <laughs> He said, uh, my social security is now my only income. Due to my financial status, I was unable to continue my health insurance through AARP. Approximately one year ago, I was hospitalized for surgery at South Bay Hospital in Sun City Center, Florida. Therefore, I owe South Bay Hospital approximately $2,000, for which I'm paying $50 a month to reduce the debt. I'm in serious need of dental work, costing me approximately $8,000. The VA hospital will not cover the cost. The trip to the VA hospital is about 90 miles round trip, and I must rely on friends to drive me there. I do have a car, but I don't feel comfortable driving in traffic. My home needs repair. The list goes on. Mr. Perlman has ruined my life. No amount of money would restore my dignity or my peace. I believe $150,000 is what Mr. Perlman owes me. USA, USA, USA. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another letter. This is from Lou's cousin, his cousin, Louis Nevler. She said, I was robbed and deceived by my own family member. What Lou has done to me is the ultimate betrayal. Due to the fact that Lou was an only child, we were extremely close, like brother and sister. Obviously, that was one of the many tactics Lou used so that I would believe him. In my wildest dreams, I would never expect a family member to be so evil. I don't know how any human being can do such horrific things as to scam so many innocent and trusting people, mostly family and friends, out of their life savings. And to make things worse, not only did Lou lie verbally for so many years, but to give statements in writing that all the money was FDIC insured, showing documents regarding how great the company was doing, etc. Fuck, man, this is sad. His fucking cousin, man. (sighs) He fucked her. Just not in the way we normally talk about. You son of a bitch, man. Come on, man. (laughs) Fucked her financially. Fucked her future. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, man. It's brutal, man. This guy's a monster. This dude's a fucking terrible, terrible human being. So he was eventually sentenced to 25 years in prison. That's it? One month for every million dollars that he stole. So (laughs) 300 months in prison. And the judge told him, if you can pay back any of this money, I'll take one month off your sentence for every $1 million you cough up. Hmm. How many did he, how much did he cough up? Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Greedy son of a bitch. No, but he did ask this. So I will tell you this. I think it's funny at his sentencing. He asked the judge if he could have access to the internet and telephone from his cell twice a week so that he could continue his boy band business and hopefully pay back some of these investors that were hurt. What did the judge, judge say? The judge fucking laughed him out of the courtroom. <laughs> He's like, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. Um, so they seized all his assets. They sold everything off. Um, they ended up, through those sales, they ended up raising about $103 million. Um, the sad part about that is the the first people in line for that money were the banks. So oh, that of course. They, of course. The, of, yeah. So the individuals got 
just nothing pennies on the dollar very very little um he would be given um yeah he ended up getting six months shaved off of his sentence for good behavior but not ever not a single cent was paid and no time was taken off for that um a quote right after he was sentenced this is this is a quote you ready for it yeah he said i'm proud i'm of everything i've done to date this is just one of those hurdles in life that you have to get past there are a lot of nice young fans out there who will always love what I've done. I've brought a lot of joy to the world. Zero remorse for anything yeah. that he's done. Oh my God, no, man. No, this might be one of the worst people we've ever covered. Like low key, <sighs> <laughs> low key. This might be one of the worst. Yeah, no, it's true. That's why I wanted to cover him. Cause I'm just like, this guy's fucking depraved. And like, I, like I can make a bunch of jokes to kind of like laugh off some of the like hurtful shit that he's done, but this is a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. He really is. And he doesn't get, he, I don't think he gets talked about in the same breath as some of these bozos we talk about. You know, right. I think he's kind of, for some reason, like he's, if he's remembered at all, it's because of the boy bands. Sometimes it's because of the weird, creepy boy stuff, you know, but right. he doesn't, people forget that he was running this operation. They just were like, oh, he's this creepy producer who ripped off Backstreet Boys and Insync after he created them. And right. that's sort of, the, that's, that's his legacy, but actually and not it's the, so much worse. Yeah. He had not the hundreds of, senior old people that people that need our help the most that he's ripping off and he's taking everything from them here i put a little bit more salt in this wound so i mean lou never thought he was a crook obviously that that last statement that he made he didn't think he did anything wrong um he always claimed but he had nothing but good intentions in his heart and he just wanted to make his investors and people around him money he just never had the opportunity to do it which is a bunch of horse shit right bernie madoff is gets busted while lou is in prison Hmm. And that's a big deal. And it didn't have future long. if you catch my grift uh, oh, subject. Yeah, if I yeah, if it doesn't, the research doesn't kill me on that one. That's going to be a big boy <laughs> episode. Expect that in about fucking two or three years. <laughs> uh, um, but it's all happening about the same time, and so I think in a lot of ways that Bernie Madoff overshadowed what Lou had done. Because Bernie's right. was much bigger, much multiple billions of dollars were involved with him. But in 2014, um, the Hollywood Reporter got an interview with with him, and they asked him about Bernie. This is what Lou had to say about Bernie Madoff. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no, I know where this is going. <laughs> he said, "Well, Bernie, I mean, he didn't have anything that really made money." He didn't have any real way to make money, repeats Perlman, but I had the music. Backstreet Boys each made well over $50 million a piece. I, of course, got my piece, and it was very nice and very substantial. He was just a scamster. I don't think he was right what he did, but I had my way to make it all right. I just didn't have my chance to do it. How does he not see that he's like in the same boat as Bernie? Like, it's the exact same thing. They do were, you think they, he honestly doesn't see it? And he, like. Do you think he's trying to play it off? Or do you think no, like, I, he really? I, I think he really thought that if he'd had a few more years and he could set up a few more bands, that he'd be okay. And I think that that's like a, it's like an addiction, where it's like you're spending all this money and you realize you got to pay it, and you got to oh, I just I need I need some more time. I'll make it right. I'll get better. I'll get everybody get their money out of it. You know, everything's gonna be fine. I just gotta get I gotta find that next band. I gotta find that. It's like chasing the next high is right. what he's doing. I mean, it's just it's a it's as much an, an illness as anything else, as addiction or anything else like that right um in uh, he while he was in prison he suffered a stroke he did survive that uh, but then in 2016 he had a heart attack and died in prison mm. which is hard to feel bad for this no nope. <laughs> don't feel a bit of sympathy for him no 
No, and I, I really think that, you know, I, we, we talked about it a little bit, but his legacy is always going to be these boy bands. Right. And it's no wonder that nobody wants to talk about him. None of the guys from the bands. Uh, Lance Bass talked about him a little bit in his book, but he's about the only one. Carter refuses to talk about him. Timberlake refuses to talk about him. They, they all have just, they've like, they're like, we're going to leave that in the past right. and never talk about it anymore. Um, Julian Bencher, like I said, is still in aeronautics to this day. He doesn't have anything to do with him. Um, yeah, it was really a moment of a lot of people getting out. What's interesting is Tammy Hilton, um, had had enough, you know, of, of lose lies. Like she, eventually she got to that point where she's like, nothing that you're saying makes sense. I can't do this anymore. Good for her. And she stopped visiting him. You know, she was going twice a week, um, every week to see him, which was the maximum that she could see him. And she just stopped showing up and she ended up reconnecting with an old boyfriend. They got married. She moved across the country to be with him. She had kind of a happy ending. You know, like there, there were some happy endings. Julian had a happy ending. Obviously, Justin Timberlake had a happy ending. I mean, just yeah. a ridiculous amount of yeah. money. Because then he got his sexy back because Ron per- <laughs> Perlman would have took it. <laughs> I, I, I said Ron Perlman. They got to edit that. Man, I've had yeah. a great joke and I got edited out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, you know, it, what's I thought was interesting to kind of bow tie everything all together is that many years after um, they started up, New Kids on the Block and Backstreet Boys went on a tour together. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this is the beginning and the end all together. Yeah. And look at NSYNC. They uh, had a Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. Yeah. They, it just, it's, it just was a wild story. And I, and the more I read about it, the more I was like, Oh no, like it just gets worse. Yeah. Like I would have had no idea about like the troubled history of like some of my childhood favorite bands, you know? And he had, he had a reach. I mean, there was a, wasn't a long period of time, but it was very, like he was very potent in the the period that he was around, you know, when he was relevant, he had a huge influence on a lot of different things. Yeah, man. Well, I can't say he didn't get what he deserved from the end. Yeah, I'm just, it's, you know, he took a lot of money from a lot of people that didn't really deserve to be treated that way, which is unfortunate. All right, well, let's take this one home. <laughs> are, are we done? Is that it? Yeah, that's okay. it. He's dead. I don't have, there's no afterlife for Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're telling Well, then he dug himself up and he decided to, 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 to make a new zombie boy band group. <laughs> Chris Benoit and the Cripplers coming to an arena near you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> don't do that, Dalton. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Dalton! Oh god! Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh god! All right, we have friends. <laughs> so wait, you just... <laughs> what? I was gonna say. I think next week, what my aim is, unless something changes, we're also gonna continue the theme of of uh um grifters with weird relationships with children it's not going to be creepy and gross like this one but it's going to be creepy and weird in its own way (laughs) all right cool that's my teaser i'm not going to tell you who it is um but i will say i read this person's book and it i got so bored and mad at reading this fucking book i threw it across the room literally (laughs) i broke the book and i had to pay a lot for it because it was out of print but i was just like this is the stupidest thing i've ever read in my entire life and then i threw it which is why it's taken me so long to write this but i think that's the plan for next week (laughs) Uh, you know uh let's put this one on the list if you feel like doing it 
uh, I wanted to do H.H. Holmes eventually. I like H.H. Holmes. Yeah, that'd be interesting because he mostly is financial. Right, right, right. There wasn't a lot of murder going mm-hmm. on, really. It was mostly scamming. The original Triple H. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, they sure weren't ready to play the game. Okay. <laughs> the um, King of Kings. Oh, fuck. We have friends. Check out our friends at Pod Van Dam, IWTV Guide, Super Fantastic, Wrestling Cheers, Sweet Stuff and Bitter Things, X Over Podcast, Hard Headed, and now Super Chat Party. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Touch My. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Catch My Grift Five. <laughs> at Catch My Grift. <laughs> you got a little bit too much Lou Pearlman in you, <laughs> or, or maybe not enough. <laughs> Hey boys! <laughs> Call me Big Papa. <laughs> I can just imagine whispering that in Justin Blake's ear late at night. Oh boy! Uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Catch My Gift Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Catch Dalton, and you can find Austin on Twitter at Austin Agogo. Do you want to ride my blimp? <laughs> Do you want to call me Big Papa? <laughs> Say Big Papa. <laughs> that okay? That's not making the final cut. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Say the thing. Say, Say stay beautiful. <laughs> stay beautiful. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, God.
Are you sending me signals? Huh? I can't see you. What are you? You're holding your cup. Let me fix Chris for a drink real quick. <laughs> whoops. Yeah, I know. He's going whoops, whoops. 